Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Vaginas are absolute magic. And Ollie is here to give them the respect they deserve. That means shame-free supplements made with clinically studied ingredients to keep your pH in check and your pleasure a priority. Put yourself on top. Go to Ollie.com today. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, you are listening to Oh Crap Parenting with me, your host, Jamie Gralacki. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hey, guys. Welcome, welcome. So today I am going to do a little hodgepodge of thoughts. For the first time ever, I just had like, well, I always have a lot of thoughts, <laughs> but, but I jotted them down throughout the week so that I was like, oh, this would make a great podcast or I should remind people of this. So some things are going to be reminders and some things are going to be new. First of all, here in Rhode Island, it has been wet, humid, like humid, humid, humid. So gross, like sticky. I wake up in the morning and like everything's wet. (laughs) (laughs) We've had a lot of mosquitoes. And I think I've shared here before that I am allergic to mosquitoes. They seem to seek me out more than the average person. So like I'll be around a campfire and nobody else is getting bit, but I get eaten alive. I am allergic I get huge welts. I scratch right now. I almost have an open wound. I scratch in my sleep so that I have skin under my nails and blood on my bed. (laughs) It's nasty. I have a mosquito bite between my toes. I have a mosquito bite literally in my ass crack. And so like, I can't even leave the house for two days because I'm a grown woman, like itching my butt all the time. (laughs) Like, Who gets a mosquito bite in their butt crack? (sighs) Me, that's who. And it's all welty and weird. All right. As we head back to school, I know some of you are already in school. I know the South goes back to school a lot earlier than here in the Northeast. But just for a reminder, if you are heading back to school or already in the first week or two, give your little ones a lot of grace in that first month. It is such a cluster, especially if they've made a big transition, like from preschool to kindergarten or daycare to an official preschool or kindergarten to first grade, kindergarten is intense. And it's way more intense than like when I went to school. And so a lot of things are going on for the child. And they came off a summer where maybe, hopefully, you let them be a little feral. And now they have to sit. Now they have to learn. And really, I mean, I haven't sat in on a kindergarten classroom, but what I'm hearing from clients, it sounds a lot like it's more like what maybe the end of first grade sounded like when I was a kid. So it's pretty intense. So a couple of things, kids come home, I call it wound up, wiped out. So they're all at once like exhausted. Remember, they've got to follow directions. There's a lot of tracking that goes on in a classroom, right? Like what's that one doing? What's this one doing? What's the teacher expect? What am I doing? You know, so there's a lot of tracking what other people are doing. For a lot of kids, this is a neurodivergent term masking, which is like pretending, you know, you're putting on a mask. Like I can be normal. I can be what anybody wants me to be. But I think that holds true for a lot of kids 
especially when they're in the new school setting, that is exhausting, right? As I'm sure you know, as an adult, when we've been in situations where we have done that, and they do a lot more sitting than they've been used to in the summertime. So just know that that wound up, wiped out, I say this every year, I mention it pretty consistently on this podcast, but the things I found helpful when Pascal, Pascal did go to kindergarten and half of first grade before I took him out to homeschool. And I found a few things to be very, very helpful. One was chamomile tincture. So you can get that on Amazon. Make sure you get the kids version because the adult version has alcohol in it. And I always say, ask me how I know that. Uh, That can be great. And especially if your little one is potty training or maybe night training, the chamomile tincture is great because it's like a cup of chamomile tea. So it's very calming, but it's not all the fluid. It's just a little dropper. That's very helpful. I also found Rescue Remedy. Again, you can get that on Amazon or Whole Foods or your local health food store. I don't know, maybe even maybe even bigger box stores have it now. It is a Bach flower remedy. It comes in tincture and they also have a gum. So if your child's a little older and likes gum, I would give this to like all the kids on the playground. <laughs> I mean, with their parents' permission. It's a very subtle, just calming remedy. Flower remedies are very, very subtle. I find they don't move the dial too much for me because I tend to need a concrete baseball bat to my head to get any sort of (laughs) benefits from anything. But uh, I do really feel like they're beneficial for kids. And it just kind of calms the nervous system a little bit. Make sure that you have like some low key activities. If you do allow screen time, after school is actually a really good place where it just can like, everybody can catch their breath. If you don't do screen time, that's fine. I would always suggest though, right after school, if possible, physical activity, even if your child's in aftercare, physical activity. If there's a playground on the school grounds that you can use, great. If you can walk home, whatever that is, if you're close enough to ride your bike or if there's a playground nearby, but I would definitely, the kids have to run around and it is market. I would notice that when Pascal, the kindergarten, well, I mean, the school got let out, you know, and there was a really nice big playground right across the street from his elementary school. And it was frantic. It was a crazy kind of physical outlet. Like the kids needed to scream. They needed to like run hard, play hard. So do that. Like if you can, you know, and then when you get home again, if you allow some screen time, this would be a perfect place. I wouldn't go directly to school to screen time. So just to be clear, I think I might've sounded confusing there. And the other thing is this month in particular, you guys know how I feel about like the sit-down family dinner, particularly if one or both parents are getting home. You know, if you're walking in the door at 6.30, you do not have time for a sit-down family dinner unless it is like in the Instapot, you can all just sit down and eat, which very rarely happens. But with the kids, especially, I would say first grade and under, these kids need sleep that first month. Again, they're exhausted. So always err on the side of earlier bedtimes. And I mean, really early, uncomfortably early for you, like 6.30, you will find such huge benefit. So I would err on the side of that, especially this first month. It might get easier, you know, and so you might be able to push that back. But I would sacrifice, even if one of the parents doesn't see the kid at the end of the night, I would sacrifice that. I would get some nutrition into them, the easiest nutrition you can get into them. And if they're hanging out, maybe you and your spouse, or it just depends on your working situation, you can sit down and eat dinner and maybe your child can have a little snack then or, you know, color at the table or something like that. I bring this up because I think it it's really jarring this first month and it's really hard to acclimate. So really go back to the basics. Don't complicate it. 
And remember, I hear this all the time, very often, especially now with parents involved in tech, it seems like the tech companies will just drain you dry if you're like in IT for any company and like you're kind of always on call. I don't know. I have at least 10 friends whose husbands are in IT and they're like never available even once they get home. It's like they got to meet with somebody in Dubai and they got to do this and that and answer emails. So it's really tricky, the work situation now, you know, but for a month, it's going to be okay if you don't get to say goodnight to your child or however that works, right? It's really, really the precedent has to be sleep and energy expenditure, big play, get that frustration out, get that masking, that tracking, that like following directions, being on Tinder hooks, get that out of their system and then sleep. Those are the priority and nutrition, right? Nutrition. Family meals are phenomenal and they can happen when your child gets older and they're becoming more peer oriented. That's when it's really valuable. So that's just something to keep in mind. I just don't think that like sitting down at seven o'clock and having a family meal, I think it's going to bring you tears of your child and you. I think it brings on a lot more picky eating habits because that's when we get desperate. We're like, one more bite, one more bite. I'll give you, I'll give you dessert. If you, you know, we get into the negotiation and you back yourself into corners that way. So easy nutrition. And remember too, I would always say like, wake your child with plenty of time for a very nutritious breakfast. Cause I had mentioned this a while ago in a podcast, a client of mine was awesome. And she recommend, she was like, wait, I, I figured out that we have plenty of time in the morning. So that's when I try new foods. That's when I try something that he is messier, you know, that we really need to sit at the table and, you know, and that was our time to gather and our time to like have our thoughts and tell stories and that kind of thing. And then she said, dinner is peanut butter and jelly. Dinner has to be the easiest thing. So I was like, that's brilliant. You know, like pick the time of day where everybody's fresh so that you are, your child is more likely to try new foods if they're a picky eater or have a more extensive meal, you know, like a really hearty breakfast, send them off to school with eggs and, you know, maybe some sausage or a hamburger patty or something like that. And lots of fat and protein and send them off for an awesome day. And then whatever it is, like chicken nuggets or whatever you can't, you know, you're like, oh my God, I can't do this. Save that for dinner and then get that food in them so that you have the big thing you want to remember too is connection time, right? Your child needs to connect with you. So maybe, maybe you combine the big play with roughhousing or you play with them on the playground. So they need connection time too. So those things take precedence. So many people think the family dinner is the connection point, but at this age, with this level of exhaustion, it's almost not connection time. It's negotiating with little tiny dictators and it doesn't get pleasant. (laughs) All right, moving on. Two podcasts ago, I had mentioned, and I think it took all of four minutes in a 50-minute podcast, I had mentioned about me like taking up space at the cashier and turning on a busy thoroughfare and trying to like turn and get out of people's way as soon as possible and like making yourself smaller to make life easier for the people behind you. And boy, it was awesome. It struck a nerve. I got more feedback from that one little segment of the podcast than, than I've gotten in a long time on anything. So I want to encourage you. The biggest comment I got on Patreon was from mamas with kids, like, and one mama has twins. And she said, she said, you know, like she was at the self-checkout with her twins and she recognized that she was like trying to hurry, trying to make sure they behave, trying to make sure like everything went fast. And then she was like, wait a minute, I have every right to be here as long as it takes me. And I'm teaching my kids and my kids like to scan and we're going to be here 
as long as we need to be here. And like how great that made her feel. And so I want to encourage you with your kids, especially here in America, we disdain children as a society. It's crazy to me. I don't know if you guys have traveled much, but in other countries and other cultures, children are revered because they're the next generation. Here, I just feel like 99% of the time, like you're a pain in the ass breeder with your snotty nose rug rats. Like, I just feel like as a society, we look at children as they're just a major inconvenience. How dare they step out of line? How dare they be loud and kids, right? How dare they don't act like adults? <laughs> and um, gosh, I remember I was traveling in China, both in China and Japan, I noticed this. Everybody just what's the right word? I don't want to say tolerate because that makes it seem like like they're barely tolerating, but everybody just accepted children as being children. And I remember both in Beijing and in Tokyo going out in a restaurant and children, they, they eat, they eat in like a, a high chair with their parents and then the parents put them down. And the kids just wander the restaurant. They go over, this one little boy came right over to me, indicated he wanted to sit on my lap, sat on my lap and people will give them their food. So the kids can kind of just wander around and it may sound so foreign to you. Like, oh my God, what are you teaching? These kids are so well-behaved because they're accepted by everybody and they're not running around being foolish. They're running around saying hi and hey, what do you have? Can I try that? (laughs) I just thought it was so wonderful. It just was a refreshing take. And I've never been to Italy, not yet, but I have a real Italian section in Rhode Island. We're kind of known for our Italian section. And there's this beautiful shop that you go in. It's like all the, like you could make the best charcuterie board. It's all the cured meats and they're hanging from the ceiling and there's thousands of kinds of cheese. And there's these like a whole a little cafe area and it's always filled with these old Italian men. And they're so funny because their packages are like one sausage. It's like they told their wives they need to go get a sausage and they hang out and play chess and have their espressos and their gelato. And anytime I went in, I, I used to go in with Pascal and his friend, Ava. And oh my God. These old Italian men would be, oh, bless their hearts. They're beautiful. Even if they were being pains in the ass. Oh, that's okay. They're just children. And let me buy them an ice cream. Let me buy that they bought. They wanted to buy these kids everything. And so Pascal and Ava would play chess with the old men. And it just is a reminder, like, even though our society isn't like that, I feel like we just get such side eye for having kids, you know, and that you have the right to take up space with your kids and just don't let society get you down. Like take your time. If your kid's having a meltdown, I'm a firm believer in leaving just because, you know, we crack when that happens. Like if you're in the market and kids having a meltdown, that's when we again get into risky territory. Like I'll give you some M&Ms if you be quiet. We start negotiating and they learn that very quickly. So I am a big believer in leaving. But if you have to sit and attend to your children's feelings, their big feelings right there and sit in the grocery store, take your time. Take your time and be ready to like tell the world to fuck off because I think as mothers, it's so hard right now. It's just so hard. And we have no support. We have no societal support. We have no villages, you know? And so take your time and you luxuriate in your children, whether you're teaching them things at the market or they're having a big feeling and you need to sit down on the floor and hold that child. It's okay to take up space with your kids. So I just wanted to say that because, again, I heard from a lot of mamas that were like, yeah, I want to do that too. And so, yes, let's stop trying to make ourselves small for the benefit of other people, especially crappy people that we don't care about. (laughs) Monarch Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. 
on November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Plus. All right, let's see. I got a whole little list here. Oh, so, you know, I climbed Mount Washington last weekend with Pascal and my nephew and a couple of people from my gym, and it rained the entire way, eight and a half hours, pouring rain. We got to the top. I don't know if you've ever been to Mount Washington. It's not a very high mountain. It's only like 6,200 feet elevation. So compared to like out west or even like Utah, it's very short in elevation, but it has the worst weather. And so the weather itself becomes an obstacle and the weather changes. I think it's the fastest changing weather in the US. I could be wrong about that, but I think it is. It's always a crapshoot. So the rain was brutal. It was sideways rain. We got just like totally soaked. And we got to the top and it was pretty, it was so slippery because of the lichen on the rocks. And I even thought like, as we were going up, I was like, dude, I'm glad I brought my headlamp. Even though we summited, we were out early. We summited around noon. And I was like, God, thank God I have my headlamp because it's going to take us that long to get down. You know, going down sometimes can be harder than going up. But at the visitor center, a woman told us, follow, there's a cog rail, like an old fashioned railroad that goes up to the top. And she was like, stay by the rail. It will not be a pretty trail, but you'll get down way faster. You'll get below tree level, which is when you're more covered. So if you've ever done any hiking here in the Northeast, you hit something called the Alpine and that's when you're openly exposed. There's no trees. It's just rocks and like very low bushes. So you're exposed to whatever it is, if it's scorching sun or snow or whatever. So we stayed by the cog going down and it was, it was steeper, but it was much faster. There was no rock scrambles or anything. So we got down like an hour and a half, which was awesome. Because then like an hour later, we found out this the next day, an hour after we got off the mountain, they had to start rescuing people. People were just getting stuck on the mountain. They, they couldn't do it. The rain was too hard. And so it was like back-to-back rescues all night. So that was crazy. Did that last weekend. And of course, I'm doing my big Spartan race on September 15th and Pascal's doing it with me. I'm so excited. So we've been training hard. But one thing that strikes me, so whenever I'm doing training for the Spartan races or hiking a mountain or when I did 75 hard, I cannot tell you the sleep I have. Like it is the best sleep outside of pregnancy naps. I mean, my pregnancy naps were next level. I don't know if you guys have those, but every pregnancy nap was like floating on a cloud. It was so great. That's how I'm sleeping. Just the most beautiful sleep in the world. So just a reminder, if you're struggling with sleep or if your child is struggling with sleep, humans are meant to move. And whatever you believe in, whether you believe in God, the universe, a natural design or nothing, it doesn't matter. If you look at our joints and you look at how the human body is built, designed, however you want to call it, we're meant to move and move a lot and lift heavy shit. So strength training, strength training. Remember back in the 80s, they had subliminal marketing in the movies. You'd see like Coke pouring and then there'd be like a flash of something. And it was not subtle. (laughs) It was supposed to be subliminal messaging. So that's what I'm going to do with strength training. I'm just going to say it every once in a while and slip it into your unconscious. (laughs) But seriously, get outside, do whatever, whatever is hard for you. If it's walking, do it. If it's, I've said this before, you don't need equipment. Get a five gallon bucket from Home Depot or Lowe's, fill it with rocks. This doesn't have to be expensive. You don't have to join a gym, but you need fresh air, sunlight, and to work hard. 
you don't have to do a ton of stuff. I'm not like, I'm training hard, but like using my time wisely, you know, I'm not training long, but it will help with your sleep. It will help with your mood. It will help with your blood sugar regulation. It will help keep you even keeled with your kids. I have gotten to the point now, I have an Olympic bar in my living room. And whenever I'm feeling crappy, I literally just go and do 10 heavy deadlifts. And instantly, it changes my mood. It makes me happier. It makes me able to just be very steady with Pascal, with all the things I've got going on. So just make sure you're moving your body and make sure your child's moving their body. Again, especially with this back to school stuff, we spend so much time sitting that we really need to counteract that with just more movement. So again, doesn't have to be hard, doesn't have to join a gym. You don't have to get on a treadmill, go in nowhere, a nice family walk after dinner, bike rides, all these things. They're so beneficial. And I just, I'm hearing so much drama around sleep for kids and I just don't think they're moving enough and they have so much energy. And then for us, you know how high I am on strength training for aging. Yes, but also just for mood and for sleep. I know just so many people are suffering with sleep problems and movement, lots of movement will help. Oh, I wrote down Mount Washington for sleep, but I also wrote down Mount Washington as a reminder because like I went with my nephew who had never done really a significant hike and it was so foggy. There was no payoff. Like Pascal, it was his first time summiting Washington and it's really tricky when you can't see the summit. You're just like, okay, I guess it's there somewhere. No idea how far we are from it. And we were so proud of ourselves when we were done. We were just like, yeah, we did it. And we didn't even have the glory of the view for Instagram. We didn't have the glory of... One of the funner things about Mount Washington is that it's a huge tourist attraction. You can drive up on this very narrow winding road that going down usually means you need new brakes. (laughs) And so... There's all kinds of people at the top who are like, like super impressed that you hiked up. So you get like this, like total boost, you know, you're like, look at me, everybody's like impressed with me. Right. But there was none of that. Nobody was, nobody was there. There was no view. There was no payoff. And so it was really just like, wow, we just did a really hard thing. I want to use that opportunity to remind you guys that self-esteem is not given for your children, right? You can't hand somebody self-esteem. And you don't give them self-esteem by empty praising. You don't give them self-esteem by boosting them artificially, making things a big deal, right? I say this even with potty training in my potty training podcast, because parents, they get over the top. They're like, oh my God, he pooped in the potty. I got him a prize and he called his grandma. Dude, it's a poop in the potty. We all do it. It's socialized behavior, right? We don't want to constantly build our children up for everyday tasks, that's not giving them self-esteem, right? And so parents get that very confused in my private client work. They say, well, I want him to feel good about himself. Let your child experience pride in self-mastery. Yes, it's not your words that will make him feel good about himself. Your words will only in excess, right? If you praise excessively, your words aren't gonna make him feel good about himself. They're gonna make him feel nervous about himself because they're outcome-based, right? And we know this. This is well-documented now. You know, you praise the effort, not the outcome. But even then, we go over the top thinking we're giving the child, you know, a good feeling. But really what we want to do is push our kids to do hard things. We want them to lean into the things that they may not be good at or that they're frustrated and teach them how to deal with frustration tolerance. 
we want to teach them how to work through difficult things. Like I'm watching Pascal train for this Spartan race and he's blowing my mind because he's really just constantly pushing himself. And then he'll come in and he'll be like, well, we carry buckets of rocks in the Spartan. So that's why I said to you, that's a really easy idea. And so he bushwhacked in our woods a mile long trail. And so the men in the Spartan race do 60 pounds of rocks and the women do 40 pounds. And I've had people say, well, I hate that they separate out men and women. And I say, I don't because women are not a strong upper body and 40 pounds of rocks for a quarter of a mile on rugged terrain is hard. So I'm not worried about the men versus women part. But anyway, Pascal's been very concerned about it. And so like yesterday he came in and he's like, I went the whole mile with 60 pounds. I finally got up to 60 pounds. And it was like this huge high five. And he's like, you know, what are you doing? And I said, well, I got up to 50 pounds. I'm training with 50 pounds. And he was like, how far? And I was like, not a mile. I just went down to the creek and I came back and he was like, oh, mom, that's great. We were praising each other, but we had pushed ourselves and we had done something that we were unsure we could do, you know? And so I just, that's another reminder for you guys is make sure you're helping your child Make sure you're guiding them to push themselves and to not back off when it's something that gets hard, you know? And a lot of times it's really hard to do because we see our child frustrated. We want them to remain calm, right? We, and so we're like, oh, 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 let me help. Oh, 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 let me do it. Oh, oh, oh. You know, we either rush in too soon or we overpraise nonsense. And so, yeah, that's how self-esteem is built. That's how confidence is built. Like after doula training, these obstacle course races has made me feel so confident in my body and my strength. And like my self-esteem has gone through the roof. I feel like a badass and you interact with the world differently when you feel like a badass. And so I encourage you to feel like a badass. <laughs> okay. So on that note, with uh, self-esteem, with deep pride, with lifting weights to stay regulated, let's take a minute to talk about yelling. There is always some confusion about yelling. I define yelling as a dysregulated adult or even a child. If a child's yelling, right? Even screaming sometimes, I think, is dysregulated. It's out of control, right? Like sometimes a kid is just having some vocal expenditure. Like if they're outside and they're like, wow, I don't categorize that as yelling or screaming. I categorize that as like vocal expenditure. Yelling, when we yell at our kids, for me, that means you are dysregulated. And so you've reached a point where you have had it. You have been tried throughout the day and you've reached a point that you get out of control and you lose your shit on your kids. And that's when the catastrophic things come out of our mouth, right? The things like, you always, you never, ah, you're terrible. Blah, blah, blah. You, we say these really hurtful things that do damage because we're dysregulated. Saying something firm and I mean very firm, is not yelling. I am not yelling. I am completely regulated right now, but I really want you to hear my words, right? That is not yelling. I am not out of control. I can't count the amount of times I have heard from a private client that they get confused or they say, my child will do it if I start yelling or, okay, my child will do it on three, but after I lose it, my child will do it you know, if your child can do it on three, then your child can do it on one. If your child is doing it only when you start yelling, one of two things is happening. One, they're scared of you. You're out of control. And so they're like, okay, let me try to repair this. Let me make that better. Not a good position to put your child in. Or two, 
they're kind of hearing you now. So if they can do it when you get dysregulated, they can certainly do it when you get regulated because we don't want them to be fearful of you. And if they need a firmer tone, start with the firmer tone. So if you ask your child to pick up their blocks and they don't, you can use a much firmer tone. I asked you to pick up your blocks. I told you not to take them out of the basket and you did. So now it's time to put them back. Do you need some help? Of course, the littler ones may need focus. They may need help. We want to assist, but we want to make sure it's not like whiny and we want to make sure it's definitely not like, okay, put your blocks away. Okay, put your blocks away. Okay, put your blocks away. Please put your blocks away. I asked you to put your blocks away. Now, this is also mid-afternoon after you've been touched out, you're strung out, right? You're not, four o'clock in the afternoon is no mom's happy place, right? And then you go from that, right? We talk about this in the Psycho Mom episode. You go from gentle parent, gentle parent, gentle parent, gentle parent, gentle parent, fucking psycho. Okay, so there's so much space in between there. So don't go psycho. Get firmer faster. Use your mom voice, use your dad voice, use the voice that says, I mean business. Give them a chance and also offer help. Again, they may need, they may need focusing, they may need some help, but I see so many parents afraid of that. Like the whole gentle parenting, I, I just, I'm asking them nicely. I want to respect them. I, da, 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 da. But then you lose it. Then you're erasing all the gentle parenting anyway. And I would maintain that saying something firm and meaning business is having a boundary. Your child knows what to expect. And that is gentle parenting. Gentle parenting isn't soft tones, right? Gentle parenting is responsive parenting. It is in the moment what is happening. I'm not living in my my own world. I'm not living in my trauma. I'm here with my child. I'm responsive to their needs. It is not, everything's okay. Like everybody gets that confused. So just worth noting, yelling is dysregulated. Firm meaning business voice is totally fine, especially if your child won't do anything until you do that. (laughs) On that note, I posted something on Instagram the other day and it, it really caught fire, which is if your child is about three years old, you have parenting PTSD. Without a doubt, you have parenting PTSD. So your child was born in 2020, which means they were under some lockdown condition. If you are on my Instagram page and you haven't seen the post, it's worth going to the post. There are some wild stories, C-sections where the woman was by herself, a mama was all by herself. No one, including her spouse, could see the baby for three days. Then no one could see the baby for five months. Like you guys were just fucking put on a rowboat out to see like motherhood, parenting, I say motherhood because largely my audience is moms, but even dads, like it was just an awful, awful time, especially if that was your firstborn. Yeah. Because you, I don't know about you, but I, I always say this, like I planned my birth the way most women plan their wedding. Like I couldn't wait. I think by the time I was five years old, I couldn't wait to be a mom. And so the conditions in 2020 made that just so impossible. So some women birthed alone. It was a nightmare. And it just wasn't anything like you thought it was going to be. No matter what the vision was in your head, the vision wasn't a global pandemic where you'd be isolated, right? And some people did comment that like they loved it. They didn't have any visitors. It was like this nice, cozy time together. And that's awesome. Like, I love that. But for the majority of people, it was just shit. So anyway, one of the things that has come out of that, I'm really starting to see themes because of course, especially in my potty training work, I work with toddlers, right? And so three-year-olds and I'm like, wow, what is going on? There's some real common themes for moms. And so one of them is a lack of intuition or a loss of intuition, like just not being sure. I really don't know where it came from, maybe from like having to like obey higher orders, you know, like mandates and things like that. 
that you lost your intuition, but very unsure of their intuition. And, and so I want to assure you, if you're child three, you've got this, like you've got the intuition, tap into it. You know, this child better than anybody. No expert will ever know this child the way you do. So you've got this. I see a very black or white, very all or nothing and a very fine line of like, it looks a little bipolar. It's, it's like manic happy, like, Oh my God, she's so great. And then it's like, Oh my God, she spilled her milk. I'm devastated. She'll never learn how to use a cup. What am I going to do? So this like very polarized emotions. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to be devastated unless something devastating happens in everyday motherhood. You don't have to be devastated. You don't have to be devastated if potty training sucks. You don't have to be devastated if your child didn't eat. You know what I mean? And likewise, I'm seeing this like kind of high mania of like, everything's great. I'm seeing black or white thinking and I'm seeing more than ever, what if I fuck them up? What if I fuck them up? And parents are so nervous about fucking up their kids that they're not making a move. And they're thinking minor things are going to fuck up their kid. Minor things aren't going to fuck up your kid. Yeah. And even if you are, let's say we just talked about yelling. Let's say you yell and say all the catastrophic things. Yes, that's hurtful. You go back and you model how to apologize and you sit with your child and you say, I am sorry. I was frustrated. I'm going to do better. I'm going to go exercise so I don't get strung out. I'm going to tell you when I don't want to be touched so I don't feel touched out by the end of the day, right? Like we can model how we stay regulated and that's not going to fuck up your kid. And being firm or pushing your child along a milestone, these things aren't going to fuck up your kid. What's going to fuck up your kid is if you are strung out, you're trying to give it all to everybody and then you have nothing left or one throw up in your lap and you're going to lose your shit you're either going to get angry or cry, right? (laughs) And so please, 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 you're not going to fuck up your kid. But on that note, you have got to take care of yourself. You have got to take care of yourself. You have got to take care of your marriage or your partnership, whatever you got going on. You have got to be brutal about that so you can show up as the best version for your kid. That is vital, right? And you're not going to fuck them up. Kids are resilient. Dude, I had the most fucked up childhood ever. And you know what? got my therapy. I'm good. (laughs) So I don't want your kids to need the therapy I needed for sure. In fact, that's my goal as a parent that Pascal never need that intensive therapy, right? But people are resilient. Kids are forgiving. They love us to the moon and back. They really do. And they are forgiving and understanding. So it's hard to parent effectively when you're parenting from a place of what if I fuck them up? Because you can't do the things you need to do as a parent, have strong boundaries, take care of yourself, sometimes leave your kids. Sometimes you have to go leave your kids with a family member or a babysitter or your spouse. You have to go do the things that are good for you, right? So just be aware of that. And I used to jokingly say, I've said it before here, I used to say, I'm not saving for college, I'm saving for therapy because it literally made me feel better to know that I will contribute to Pascal's therapy if he needs it, because I'm sure along the way I've done something, right? And I think therapy is good for everybody, even if you don't think you had a traumatic childhood. But with that, it gave me a lot of grace to fuck things up because we're human. And if you're on Tinder hooks about perfection, oh, good Lord, you're not going to make any progress with your child. You have to be able to be human and you have to know that you're going to fuck up situations, but that doesn't mean your kid's fucked up, right? We all fuck up situations. We have all, I don't know one single parent who hasn't lost it on their kid. Even the most gentlest, gentle hippie in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) you know, we lose it because it's frustrating. 
but we mitigate. It's so important to mitigate those, right? Keep your child healthy, sunlight, water, big play. Keep it for yourself too, so that again, you are the best version of yourself. And I think just like we say with our kids, right? We don't, we don't call them bad people. We don't say they're a bad human. We say they had some bad behavior or we need to change that behavior. That goes for us too. You're not fucking up. Like you're not a fucked up human because you mess something up with your kids. You might've fucked up the situation and that is repairable. Okay. All right. With that pep talk, I'm going to leave you guys. As always, you guys, I super appreciate you. I super appreciate your patronage and listening and reviewing. And uh, yeah, it's just great. I love I love this podcast and I love you all for listening. Thanks. Have a good one. Rock on. Okay, bye everyone. Just a reminder, if you need additional resources, I have Oh Crap Potty Training. I have Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler. Those books are available everywhere you want to find a book. <laughs> you can also go to my website, jamieglowacki.com, where you can book private sessions with me, buy any of my courses. Those are really geared towards potty training help. And also I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook anymore and I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, jamie.glowacki, and I do a lot of lives and uh, usually posting a lot of good information. So those are extra resources for you. And as always, rock on. Have an awesome day.